off the rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council. I am Regan Lutanen, Executive Director of the U.S. Faster Payments Council, and this is Off the Rails from the U.S. Faster Payments Council, sponsored by Volante Technologies. I'm excited to bring you this discussion with Dan Baum of the Federal Reserve. Dan and I talk about FedNow, and he gives some insights into when we might expect a go-live date, and we talk about fraud and risk and cycling. It's a good one. But first, let's take a look at the headlines. There's a lot of activity here at the FPC. First off, the call for session proposal submissions for the FPC spring member meeting is open. Head to fasterpaymentscouncil.org to submit your session proposal. And while we're on the subject, go ahead and register for the spring member meeting while you're there. We'll be in Kansas City March 20th and 21st. Registration is open for that event at fasterpaymentscouncil.org. And we've got dates for the fall member meetings, September 26th and 27th on Beale Street in Memphis. These are going to be amazing events. You don't want to miss either one. The FPC is thrilled to announce the launch of two new workgroups, Digital Assets in the Financial Industry and Operational Considerations for Instant and Immediate Payments. Both workgroups have an open call for participation for members interested in these new workstreams. The Digital Assets workgroup will map out how digital assets relate to the financial industry, focusing specifically on payments made with digital funds, central bank digital currency, regulated liabilities, and stablecoin. The work group will also establish advantages of using digital assets in conjunction with faster payments and identify benefits to instantaneously transact and transfer digital funds within the United States. The Operational Considerations work group will provide financial institutions with guideposts to effectively manage operational change that instant and immediate payments have on bank operations. The scope of the workgroup is received side of the internal bank operation and has instant and immediate payment processes in place. And also, I'd like to share that we've released a white paper in partnership with Wells Fargo, ISO 20022, Exploring the Impact of a New Data Structure on the Payments Ecosystem, is now available in the Knowledge Center on FasterPaymentsCouncil.org. It's a really well done paper, and I highly encourage you all to check it out. And thank you to Wells Fargo for working with us on that project. Okay. That's enough of the headlines. It's time for that discussion with Dan Baum of the Federal Reserve. All right. We are joined by Dan Baum with the Federal Reserve. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I, let's just jump right in because, you know, I know you're loath to make this come across as a sales pitch for FedNow. I, I think the fact is the arrival of FedNow is going to be a major event in the industry. And the thing people tuning in here are likely most interested in hearing is, I think, an update on the progress that's being made, the likely timeline of events leading up to the launch. And then, of course, you can just tell us the exact date that it's going to be going live. That'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um We'll we'll see about the date, but um, yeah, I, I I think it's a um, it's an exciting time for us, right? We're we're we've been at this now for a couple of years, as everyone knows, um, kind of nose to the grindstone, and we're we're turning the corner now, where we're we're moving from all of the work that goes into launching something to really getting to uh, being in market, and what that means is 
um, starting to meet customer needs and, and do those things that we've been we've been talking about for two years. So this is an exciting time. You know, the update is that that um, we officially started testing in September. Um, um, we've had customers testing in the in the application since, since September. Um, and as we turn the calendar over, we're going to start um, moving into a, a certification phase, which would mean that we'll be getting those list of customers that are going to be on the service ready to be certified to actually turn the service on um, in that magic date. Um, and, and I would love to announce a date. I'd be um, I'm, I'm as anxious as anyone else to figure out what exactly the date will be. But it'll be sometime in the May to July timeframe, and we'll work with our customers, that list of customers that are on, on how quickly we can get them certified, when they're ready, when we're ready, and, and, and a date that makes sense um, uh, in that window. Um, and then we'll, we'll be live and we'll be processing payments. And then, as I said, that's the exciting part, right? That's when we get to be a business rather than um, uh, just, just the Fed working on a project to try to launch something. So I, that's where we are. Um, it's exciting. Um, good time to be there. We've got great partners that have been with us in the pilot that are now in this testing phase. And, and um, it's exciting to watch them uh, go through the, all the testing and get ready. Yeah. And of, of course, what happens post-launch is even more important than the date of the launch, right? So ramping it up, getting, you know, not going to have everybody on board right away. So building out that network over time. Um, it, it's going to be fun to, to be part of for sure. So, and that actually leads me to what I want to talk about next is what, what, what comes down the pike after the launch. So, you know, my understanding from talking with others at the Fed is that there's an intention for this to be an iterative approach in terms of product development. So uh, launch, FedNow isn't going to have I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that FedNow is not going to have all the features and functionality that's envisioned. So, you know, what should we expect in terms of not only the functionality that is to come, but the process by which those decisions are going to be made and how all that will be communicated to the industry? Yeah, I, you've characterized it very well that, that we intentionally are going to market with um, an opening salvo, if you will, of functionality that is um, that set of functionality that we thought we could get to market quickly. You know, there's always a trade-off of, of speed to market with how much you can you can actually build. And um, we tried to hit that balance point. Uh, I guess uh, next uh, mid-year, next year, we'll figure out how how well we did there. But I, you know, you, you're spot on when you say that there's a there's the intent is to keep adding um, feature set over time, um, and to do that. Uh, in a in as smart a way as possible. So that means we've got to listen to our customers and, and listen to the needs of the industry. Um, and th those might be two different things sometimes, right? Customers may look for bells and whistles and things that are going to add utility in, in their provisioning of the service. The industry may be looking to light up use cases. And in, in both of those camps, we're going to have to have our ear to the ground and, and figure out what will be the next thing that needs to be added to the service. Um, uh, we have a roadmap that that is um, a living roadmap that will change over time. Um, I will tell you that it's got more stuff on it than than what we, what it is we've started with. So um, we will be very busy um, post launch, um, trying to be responsive. We are we're building in an agile model that will allow us to to continually release functionality, um, and we think we'll we, we've got a model where we can do that pretty uh, pretty quickly and intelligently. Um, in responsive to market needs. There's going to be big launches. There's going to be big ads, things like, um, you know, we're looking at how do we ramp up our fraud capabilities? Do we look at things like um, supporting of, uh, you know, alias-based payments? 
those kind of things will be um, looked at you know, somewhere down the road. Do we do we once we've solved the domestic um, kind of set of circumstances, do we look at cross border? All of those are on our roadmap. Um, none of those are announcements today, but those are the kind of things we're going to have to roll our sleeves up and see when is the right time or is it the right time? And then when do we bring them forward? So that, yeah, you're, you're spot on when you say um, next, next year will only be the beginning. It's very much the beginning. Great. And, you know, that all to me, like it leads me to, to wonder, you know, what are these, the use cases that you guys are expecting to see Fed now used for, you know, and I, <laughs> I really wish I'd gotten to ask the clearinghouse folks the same question uh, before they launched, because from everything I've heard, the use cases that they saw were pretty different from what they expected. Now, I guess, of course, you get to cheat a little bit here since you're, you've seen what's been happening with RTP. So uh, anyway, what are you guys thinking about when it comes to use cases? Yeah, certainly we have second mover advantage in that regard because we get to look over their shoulder, if you will, and see see what the industry is doing. Um, you know, I, I think um, learning from the clearinghouse's example that that the kind of the account to account or moving money from one store to a store of value to another, whether that be to a wallet or from one account to another or from account to a brokerage house, et cetera, um, is a very active. Um, use case that we expect will become very active in our in our model as well. Beyond that, we know there's a lot of talk about bill pay. We know there's a lot of talk about um, you know supporting small business at um, whether it be the point of sale or the point of delivery for cash on delivery kind of things. Um, there's there's a there's a lot of energy around um, real time payroll for things like gig economy pay, uh, workers, um, and, and we expect to see those use cases. Um, grow over time. Um, I, I think the secret sauce ends up being where can you build the right combination of utility and ubiquity so that that the end users really want to use it? If it's if it's simple, if it's the um, Mark Gould, our, our chief payments executive, talked about a big right, easy button. Um, if you can give the users the, the big easy button, um, they're more prone to use something. So I think it's got to be that, that um, combination of uh, easy utility and then also Ubiquity. So you mentioned we've got to build network. Um, you've got to have the the, the right people to pay um, in order for this whole thing to work too. Yeah, totally. And uh, changing gears a little bit with, for one final question before we get into our buy and sell game. Uh, the murmurs about fraud and risk associated with faster payments have grown to more of a din. One thing we all need to get straight first, I think, is that there are really two distinct questions. And honestly, I think one is pretty simple, uh, at least I think it is, and the other is where we seem, I think, to get snagged. The first question is, what can be done to reduce the amount of losses due to fraud and mistake? And the second, and like I said, I think the one that's trickier is, regardless of the answer to the first question, there is going to be some fraud. Uh, there will be mistakes made by customers, sometimes costly mistakes. And so the second question isn't about preventing fraud as much as figuring out who pays for the fraud or the mistakes uh, that do happen. And both of those things, preventing it and assigning liability, are things that the industry is going to have to have a plan for. So what is the Fed thinking about in this space? And what plans, if any, do you have there? Yeah, and I may take that in the in the reverse order of the way you asked it. Um, so just to talk about the second one first, I, I think you're spot on again. The the 
the incidence of fraud will continue. The fraud existed before we all thought about faster payments and it will, and it is gonna continue in the faster payment space as well. Um, I think the, the first thing we can do is create a set of tools that will allow for the industry, banks and, and uh, credit unions and then their customers to be better at fighting fraud at the, at the point of uh, initiation, whether that be additional messaging, um, education, tools that allow for notification in, in real time if a, if a payment is thought to be fraudulent. And those are things like monitoring the network or a set of, a set of tools that we can provide to um, financial institutions so that they can enable their own intelligence um, related to uh, fraudulent activities. So it's, that kind of builds the concentric circles from the network out through the customers and then to, their, to our customers and then to their end users. Um, that allow all of those parties to um, better manage the fraud. With all of that done, and that will be an evolving thing, right? The fraud attack vectors will continue to evolve and we'll have to continue to, to um, evolve our toolkit that we'll, we'll provide um, in order to support that. There's still gonna be fraud as you suggested. And then I think the really important thing, get, kind of getting back to the first part of the question, is what are we gonna do related to um, supporting uh, those participants in the network that have experienced fraud. I think one of the first things is we have to have the right uh, capabilities that allow participants to work with each other to run a fraudulent um, case uh, down. So a sender and a receiver be, be able to talk to each other efficiently and say, look, we've had a case of fraud or we've just had a, an exception of any sort and we need to be able to manage it. Um, if we can give the right tools there, I think that helps support that. There's a there's a big question right now about the um, at the last part of this is um, the liability and who's going to own what and I think you'll find that the Fed wants to take kind of a, a mark, pro market uh, approach here and allow for the market to manage this. Um, financial institutions are if you just read in the press today or the, um, in the last couple of weeks um, are looking at their own posture and, and where can they best fit and I think the the way that we'd like to see that addressed is to allow the financial institutions to manage their account holders um, in the best way they think um, uh, serves the needs of their account holders and not for us to be heavy handed in the in the application of this. But I think as we watch this, as, as, as again, as the fraud attack vectors evolve, as we see where this goes, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on what will be the best application of tools um, and rules and best practices that we might implement in our network um, in order to support that. So first is kind of hands off, but I think we'll watch and see where it, where it goes um, over time. Yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be a need there. And I think um, a lot of folks are taking, starting to look at this even more and more seriously. I know our fraud work group is getting uh, re-energized to, to take a look at this. So if anybody's interested in helping solve the problem, that's a good place to plug in um, and think about how you can contribute. Because I think ultimately, it's on all of us, I think, to help figure out ways to to prevent as much fraud and mistake as possible so that there's as little as possible that we need to deal with. Okay, uh, let's get into the buy or sell game, if you don't mind, uh, Dan. I think it's a good chance to, to play here. So I'm going to put out some propositions and you're going to either agree and buy or disagree and sell and then tell our audience why. All right. So despite some of its potential downside, irrevocability is a net positive for faster and instant payments. I'm buying that. I think um, the upside pro is pros of the irre irre uh, final and irrevocable payments is, in fact, that 
um, you know, it gives certainty to the parties that the payment will be final. Um, the downside, and, and there are those who point to the downside um, often, is the fact that you know it, it, you have to build these other tools in order to um, work exceptions once they happen. It's not it's not like the uh, ACH world, for instance, where where you've got the the windows where you can where you can return and such. So I, I think the pros outweigh the cons. I'm a big fan of the the moving that direction for our payments. Okay, it's a buy. The speed of an instant payment is the thing people should be focused on. Buy or sell. Well, I'm gonna to have to buy it because it's in the name. That's it's it's the it's the bedrock of what it's all about. But I I would quickly pivot to say there is so much more about instant payments. There's a you know the fact that we're using the ISO standard and we can move um, uh, remittance information along with the payment, um, the irrevo irrevocability that you just talked about, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think all of that becomes part of the new standard for what people are gonna want from uh, from a payment. Um, and the instant just becomes one really key, but an important um, part of everything that's going to be provided. All right. Uh, if not addressed adequately, scams are going to be a real problem for instant payments. I'm going to buy that one as well. Um, I, I think, uh, and I think where, where it's going to um, perhaps create the problem will be um, in the confidence in the payment mechanism uh, at the end user level and, and consumers specifically. So um, if we don't figure out a way to, to build that confidence level, um, then, then I can see where we might have adoption concerns um, or usage concerns uh, over time. Okay. Buy or sell hitting some dirt trails on a mountain bike. I'm going to sell that. I'm, I'm too old at this point to be, uh, to be falling off a mountain bike and breaking bones. <laughs> Same here. Uh, buy or sell that there are use cases for faster payments that we aren't thinking about. Oh, I'm I'm 100% buying that. I think uh, what's really exciting about this, we've always said we're building a platform for innovation, is that once we build this thing, everyone's going to start thinking about could we do X, could we do Y, and um, I'm super excited to see where the industry is going to take this, and and um, only hoping we can keep up with the, the great minds out there that'll come up with stuff. All right. Uh, buy or sell that FedNow will go live in May of 2023. Oh, I'm getting put in the corner, aren't I? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say both buy and sell. I think we're gonna do everything in our power to hit May. Um, uh, but there's a holiday at the end of May, and we may not launch right before a holiday. How about that? How's that? Oh, that okay. Hey, that's a, that's a real answer. Uh, I had to ask. Okay. I know you did. Uh, all right. Well, last buy or sell. I have this idea that instant payments will enable the creation of entirely new business models down the road. I, you know, I think about it sort of in the same way that the internet made business models possible that couldn't have existed without it. Buy or sell that idea. I'm buying that 100%. I, I heard an analogy the other day that um, instant payments are to legacy payments what 5G is to um, old old dial-up internet. Um, and I, I think that's exactly right. I think we're... Um, we're entering a new way, new phase of the economy where we're going to see payments made in brand new ways that are really going to change and help uh, the way that we do business. And that's, that's super exciting to me. All right. That's it for buy or sell. Congratulations. You won. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, I'll wait till May, May, June or July to find out if I won. How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, maybe I'll have you back on and we can replay that and you can, uh, we can revisit your answer. Okay. Lightning round. 
best single thing the industry can do to prevent fraud? Work with each other. Okay. One thing you've said that you, one thing you've said on this podcast that you hope people will remember. That this is the beginning of a really big opportunity for us to change the way people make payments. Best ride you've been on as a cyclist. Uh, I did a tour, uh, uh, tour de France pre-ride uh, 10 years ago in, in, in the mountains, in the Alps in France, and it was beautiful. That was the best thing, best ride I've ever been on. Well, sounds like it wouldn't suck. Best ride you've been on as a payments professional? Oh, I think the last two years working on FedNow has been the most exciting thing I've ever been involved with in my 28 years at the Fed. Not, not a surprise. Final, biggest potential catalyst for faster payments adoption and usage. I think the biggest catalyst is um, is finding the right lighthouse use case and and then pulling a lot of attention into it. Um, you know, ACH grew a lot because of the Treasury's participation in it, and I think we'll see some of that here. But again, we've got to find the right use case even for the Treasury. They, they, all by themselves, they don't they don't make the difference. It's got to be something that's important that they'll that they'll light up, and then we'll all we'll see um, users move to it. Yeah, finding that that finding that one that one big use case to kind of push the rock over the top of the hill, right? Okay. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Dan? Before we let you go. No, it's been uh, very exciting. I think the next six months or so are going to be um, uh, both terrifying and very exciting for us here at the Fed uh, as we approach uh, going live. And um, would love to be able to talk to everyone in the industry in the next six months um, and get everyone uh, as ready for this as we are. So. That would be the that'd be the final message for me. All right, Dan. Thanks so much for joining us. Great conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Reed. And that is all for this episode. Thank you again to Dan for joining us and providing those insights. And thank you all for listening. Please don't forget to like the show and share it with your fellow colleagues. We'll talk to you all in two weeks.